We read Isaiah 52, verses 13 to 15, in Jesus' name. Look, my servant will succeed. He will rise. He will be lifted up. He will be highly exalted. Just as many were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man. And his form was disfigured more than any other person. So he will sprinkle many nations. And kings will shut their mouths because of him. Because they will see something that they had never been told before. And they will understand something they had never heard before. And we pray. These words are your words, Heavenly Father. They are the truth. And we pray that you would sanctify us through them. Amen. Christ is risen. Easter is my absolute favorite day of the year, every year. But I have to admit, this year there's, there's another event later this week that I'm looking forward to as well. Not nearly as much as the resurrection of Jesus, but, but I am. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> 21 movies, 11 years, dozens of spin-off TV shows, books, games, etc. have all been leading to this. The film has been veiled in secrecy, but it's no secret what's going to happen. The heroes are going to win, maybe with a sacrifice or two. And those who have turned to dust and ashes in the previous film are going to somehow rise from the dead. I know the ending already, but I'm excited all the same. And that's Easter, too, right? We know the ending every year. It's no surprise that Jesus rises from the dead. And yet it's exciting and joyful all the same. Or is it? Do we lack joy because the resurrection really doesn't seem that personal to me? Or all that applicable to my daily life? Does Easter only mean that we get to come to church on one day and be happy, but the rest of the year when real life and troubles hit, we not only forget about the resurrection, but we lose sight as to what it means for me in my life? And if that describes you, and I know that describes me, our text today should let us know that we aren't the first to feel like this. We aren't the first to forget about the resurrection and what it means. The resurrection was the end game. In Jesus' case, it wasn't just 21 movies and 11 years. It was 39 books of the Old Testament featuring hundreds of characters spanning thousands of years and it wasn't a comic. It was all true. And it was all pointing forward to those three real days in actual human history. The death, rest, and resurrection of Jesus. It should have been no surprise that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. Look at how clearly Isaiah described Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Look, my servant will succeed. He will rise. He will be lifted up. He will be highly exalted. Just as many were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man, and his form was disfigured more than any other person. How much clearer can you be 
at what will happen and what it means. He will rise. He will be lifted up. He will be highly exalted. And yet how quickly they were forgotten when real troubles hit. These words of Isaiah should have been ringing in the ears of all those who saw Jesus die, of the men who laid Jesus in the tomb, of the women who watched in secret to know where he was laid, of the disciples who were taught by Jesus and read through the Old Testament scriptures meticulously. They should have been waiting at the tomb all night in a vigil, for wait, waiting for Jesus to rise from the dead. But what actually happened? The men who buried Jesus go home, sad and disappointed. The disciples were hiding in a room, fearing for their lives. The women were coming to the tomb with tears still in their eyes. The only ones who thought something might happen were the chief priests and the Roman guards, who thought the disciples would come and steal the body. And so they sealed the tomb and, and locked it as tightly as they knew how, securing soldiers there so that no one got in or out. Everyone is skeptical that this Jesus will do what he promised, even those closest to him. And so they're all afraid. So what about you? Are you skeptical? Are you surprised? We live after the resurrection. We've heard this story again and again. We know how it turns out. But could it really be true? Has Jesus really risen from the dead? Or is all this uh, some made-up story to keep this memory of this Jesus guy alive? And what about this success that Isaiah prophesied of? If the Son of God really came to earth, why didn't he just fix all the problems of the world then? Yeah, sure, he healed people and did some miracles, but, but why not everyone? If the Son of God has risen, why does he let me suffer? Why does he let death happen? Why does God allow and has God allowed my loved one to die? By all earthly standards, Jesus was not a success, nor was he prosperous. The whole thing, the death of a sandal-wearing Jewish prophet, the promise of a resurrection, it all looks like foolishness. And many non-Christians think that we're just a, a bunch of willfully ignorant morons who believe in some book that magically fell from the sky and that God is some white-haired, magical, aloof being in the sky. Nothing could be further from the truth. God could be no closer to us than He is in Jesus, the Nazarene the real person who was crucified and died and was buried. Jesus' success was in willfully doing what was appointed for him to do. His success was in dying, giving his life as a ransom for sins of the entire world. 
Jesus had to be marred more than any other person so that He would suffer in our place to undo what our sins deserved. And not only that, God Himself feels what you feel. God felt pain, loss, abandonment, and even death. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Because God, who came to earth as a man to suffer and to die for us, didn't stay dead. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. Because they will see something they had never been told before, and they will understand something they had never heard before. Kings have nothing on Jesus. They can do nothing but shut their mouths at him. Because he will do something much more powerful and much more glorious than even they could ever imagine. Jesus is a king, but he's different from any other king. Regular kings have power while they're alive. Regular kings have glorious reigns when they're alive. And then they die to be remembered by history books. But all other kings see what Jesus as king has accomplished and they shut their mouths. Because Jesus as king was glorious after his death. Jesus' reign began after his death. Jesus isn't just some man to be remembered in a history book. All history finds its fulfillment in him. Easter is celebrated not just for the fact that Jesus rose about 2,000 years ago in real history, but that he still lives and reigns forever and ever. Jesus is the king to redeem all of history, all of the world. And not only all the world, but also you. Isaiah writes that he will sprinkle many nations. The Old Testament priests would sprinkle Israelite, the Israelite congregation with the blood of a sacrificed lamb. But they couldn't do that to the whole world and that couldn't pay for all sins. But the consequences of Jesus' death and resurrection are not only for all nations, not only for all people of all time, but they are for you and me, personally, individually, each and every day. Because He sprinkles us with His blood, that means something for us. As we experience pain and witness death, so did Jesus. As we suffer, so did Jesus. As we die, so did Jesus. As we are buried, so is Jesus. But Christ is risen. And yet how quickly when troubles hit that we forget that Christ still lives and His promises are still true. But that is why Jesus does something not only for all the world, but for you and for me. 
That's why when we gather here, we gather not to simply do things to remember Jesus. But rather, Jesus breaks into our world and does things for us. Jesus brings the consequences of the resurrection to you. He brings them to you in baptism, in which you are sprinkled with water combined with God's resurrection promise. If He came to suffer and to die for us, and in baptism our sinful natures die and are buried with Him, that also means that in baptism we will rise with Him. Baptism joins us to Jesus' resurrection. The consequences of the resurrection are brought to you in the Lord's body and blood. The new covenant, the new testament in the blood of Jesus, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It is the passing over of God's wrath. This is the Passover. This is the Easter sacrament. Our crucified and risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has bestowed upon you His holy body and blood, whereby He's made full satisfaction of all your sins and strengthens and keeps you in the true faith to life everlasting. The Lord's Supper brings Easter to you. It lets you partake in Jesus' suffering and death so that you will also partake of His resurrection. As many times as we hear it, this is the most surprising thing. Not that Jesus is risen, but that He is risen for you. He lives for you. He lives to bless you with His love which He has done in baptism. He lives to plead for you above, which He does with the Holy Spirit in heaven and here on earth with His blood. He lives your hungry soul to feed, which He does in Holy Communion. He lives to help you in time of need, which He does through the promises of the Gospel and the words of absolution, because He is risen. He lives to silence all your fears. He lives to wipe away your tears. He lives to calm your troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. You and I still suffer on earth. But because Jesus sprinkles us with His blood in His word and sacraments, we will live just as He does, exalted on high. You are sprinkled with the blood of Christ. You know how Easter ends. But more importantly, you know how Easter ends for you. Because you are baptized, because you are sprinkled with His blood, rejoice. Because you will obtain the same victory Christ has. Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.